my name is Doc. I am hosting a softball tournament in June. Actually, it will be June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the first weekend. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event uh, to raise money for Mission 22 to help prevent veteran suicide. Because as you know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. I personally am a Mission 22 survivor. This June will be 15 years for myself from when I tried to commit suicide. So it's just in my heart to give to Mission 22. I would love for y'all to be a part of this tournament by giving donations. I can be reached by email and it's beard, B-E-A-R-D, bash, B-A-S-H dot softball at gmail.com. I would greatly appreciate as many donations as possible. And it does not have to be $5, $10. It can be 50 cents. All, all proceeds will go to Mission 22. Amber, what are you drinking today? Well, Amanda, based on your recommendation, I bought the Bud Light Ugly Sweater Seltzer Pack. And so I'm drinking the Apple Crisp. Isn't it amazing how it tastes just like the dessert? Yes. Like, I don't know how they canned that flavor, but... I've already tried all of them, and I don't like your favorite, and I'm sorry. But that's why we're the yin and the yang. Yeah, right? I'm I'm probably not going to drink the other two, and I'm going to pour out the one that I opened because it's gross. I know. I'm sorry that you feel that way. I really like the ginger one. And now, let me tell you, though, that the only thing I could think about is that you're going to give me drinks with the ginger beer, and I'm nervous about drinking them. Yeah, if you don't like ginger, you're not going to like ginger beer. I, I do, but I do. Like, I like ginger ale. I like gin, I like ginger snaps. Like, yeah. I like gin. I don't like that like beer, Like, a ginger beer is like a spicy ginger ale. Well, we're going to find out whenever you come home. I'll be back in January. What are you drinking today, Amanda? Well, I'm drinking one of my old favorites, and it's just plain vodka and ginger beer. I thought you were, that was yesterday when you had a special. It was yesterday when I had a special. For me. I I'm, know. I'm saving that. I'm trying to like stretch it out. But I know because you can't buy more because you're going to have to bring some home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I could buy more while I'm here, but then once I leave here, I don't think I'll be able to get it. Until you move back. Yeah. Yeah. And that was totally throwing some shade because you're leaving me, but I digress. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member was easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Jay Maliuk. Yes. That's a Russian. <laughs> Russian. <said> right. <laughs> yes. Finally, I didn't butcher a name. Uh, Jay served in the United States Navy. Go Navy. Go Navy. From 1998 to 2018 as a hospital corpsman. How are you doing, Jay? 
And what are you drinking? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you, ladies. Thank you. What are you drinking tonight, Jay? I am drinking absolutely nothing right now. <laughs> Not even water? Not even water? Not even water. Did you if you have to, if we have to pause because you're parched, we will. Scale Executive Search is a veteran-owned and operated search firm serving aerospace tech and startups. They've managed to set themselves apart by not only understanding the job market, but also ensuring their candidates and clients are invested in not only their careers, but also themselves and their families. Can you tell us where you're from and a little bit about how your story started? Sure. Uh, I am from, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. I graduated in uh, 1998, and uh, my buddy actually went into the Navy before me. He was a nuke. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. We've talked about nukes. (laughs) Nobody wants to. He was smart for his own good. Too smart yeah. for his own good. Most of yeah. they're yeah. their own breed. Their own breed, for sure. Right. So he came home off of leave, because uh, he graduated here before me. He came home off of leave, and uh, as a nuke, they got a bonus. And so he got, like, I think $25,000, and they gave him half of it. So he had, like, twelve five in his bank, and he comes home on leave, grabs me and my other buddy, he's like, let's go. We're going to Virginia Beach. And so it was like, I don't, I don't have any money. And my buddy Kenny was like, I ain't got no money. He's like, don't worry about it, bro. The Navy pays for everything. <laughs> so I'm, like, so I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, let's go. And then so we go to Virginia Beach. Oh, we have the time of our life. I think we probably blow about 10 grand of his money just having fun. Young high school kids, not even graduated yet. Uh, and then uh, so I talked to him about it. I'm like, hey, I'm like, dude, can I get that kind of money? He's like, yeah, man. He was like, you can get that kind of money. Go nuke. So I'm like, all right. Well, I didn't know. He didn't tell me that you had to score at least a 90 on your ASVAB to become new qualified. So I, I scored like a 69 on my ASVAB. I feel like that's not true because I scored a 65 and they tried to put me in the nuke program. So no, they, told, they told me a 90. Wow. Because of where like my aptitudes fell. Mm-hmm. Like, like even though my ASVAB score wasn't super high because I literally only took it to get out of class in high school. Me too. But like the way that my aptitude results fell, I would have qualified to be a nuke, even though my ASVAB score wasn't. Maybe it was in what your highest scores were. Maybe. Like the highest. I mean, I got a 97. Well, like, and I was an air traffic controller, like everyone that listens to this podcast knows. And my nephew, cousin, he's my cousin's son. Like, but that's, that's a complicated family issue, but he scored higher than me on the ASVAB, but he didn't qualify to be an air traffic controller because his aptitudes weren't where they needed to be to be an air traffic controller. Maybe that's what I'm, I was, maybe I was dumb as a box of rocks. I don't know. I just know I, I couldn't go nuke. And so I was, I was so upset. And so I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going Navy. I'm gonna go Marine Corps. I was like, I'll go do, I'll be a medical in the Marine Corps. So obviously we know the Marine Corps does not have medical. But when I went to the recruiter, I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to join. I want to be, I want to be a doctor. And he was like, oh, unfortunately we don't have, he's like, you want to do anything else? I was like, no, I want to do medical. I was like, I've read a lot about it. I'm going to do medical. And he was like, unfortunately we don't have that. So if you go right across the hall (laughs) to the Navy guy right over there in that white suit, 
he was like, go talk to him. Probably we'll be able to come back with the corpsman. Um, he was like, we can go talk to him. So I talked to him and then that's what happened. I picked hospital corpsman and then, yeah, and that's my story. And then I was with the Marine Corps 12 out of my 20 years. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. I, I loved being Greenside. Greenside was amazing. We've heard that from a couple. We You're not the first corpsman we've interviewed. And the people that went green really liked it. Or even the Army, like combat medics, like they mm-hmm. really enjoyed that side of it as well. Yeah, it was so much fun. The Marines are they are a total different breed, but uh, they're awesome. They're definitely ass-kicking, fighting. <laughs> they're freaking badass. <laughs> I come from the amphibious side of the Navy, so I totally, I get that. Yeah. Because we spent a lot of time with the Marines, transporting them wherever they needed to go. We were their favorite Uber drivers. So Yeah, I always hear that. I always hear that. <laughs> um, but then when I tell them, because I got a lot of that slack on, on TikTok. They always come up like, oh, we're favorite. Why don't you try and join a real freaking branch? And I was like, oh, really? And then I freaking show them, the, I, I freaking take a picture, or freaking show them the FMF or whatever. And they're like, oh, oh, okay. All right, oh, cool. Yeah, All right. So on. You're one of we us. We love our docs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, all right. So what were your duty stations and did you have a favorite one? Yeah. So my first duty station was uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, uh, right after my, uh, right after I went to, to sea school. Uh, that was my first duty station, Camp Lejeune. And I was there from 1999 to 2002. Then I left there and I went to Naval Hospital, Jacksonville, Florida. And then from there, I left and went back up to Camp Lejeune, then left there, went to Pensacola, Florida, then back up to Camp Lejeune, then left there, got on uh, a ship, USS Austin, LPD-4, then back to Camp Lejeune. <laughs> I guess Camp Lejeune needed corpsmen. Oh, and yeah. Then, and then and you had to be part too. of the Gator Navy, too, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, right on. I was. We can cheers to Pensacola and Navy Gator. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Do it. Pensacola. Hey, did you ever get a chance to eat at the galley in Pensacola? I did. Best galley in the military. I loved it. it was, I loved it. There yeah, sure. Pensacola was so fun. Yes. I was. I, I was at the Naval Hospital. My first. My first. I. I got off the elevator. As soon as I checked in, I got off the elevator and because I come from Marines, right? And so I get there, I get off the elevator and all I hear is crying babies. And I'm like, what in the world? They're like, welcome to labor and delivery. This is your, this is your new department. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. I come from the Marine Corps and then I go to babies. So I went from big babies to little babies. <laughs> oh wait, what was, what was the term that we were supposed to use to like bring a Marine back around? Do you remember? Bring a Marine back around. Silver bullet. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All that is, all that is, is all that is a temperature probe in their butt. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, if, if you're ever interviewing a Marine and they get off track, just bring up a silver bullet. They'll come right back. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> they will. Yeah, they will. So then after your millionth time at Camp Lejeune, you said you went West Coast? Yep, then I, that was my last duty station was over here. That okay. was my last duty station was over here. Uh, Naval uh, Hospital. Well, it wasn't even a hospital. It was a clinic. They still had hospital as a name, but all, we didn't really see any inpatient. It was all outpatient. 
and so it's a clinic now. Actually, now it's tra- it's a training coming in now that I that I'm at. So they see like they do like sit call and stuff like that, but that's pretty much it. They have like the X-ray lab stuff like that, but that's all that's all easy stuff. That's nothing. And so I am the uh, I retired in 2018 from there. So so you've recently retired. Yep, 2018. So let me ask you, since you spent so much time on the East Coast and then you finished your career on the West Coast, which mm-hmm. coast, which coast do you prefer? Well, I know West Coast is so much <laughs> so much more lenient. <laughs> so much more lenient. But the East Coast has Pensacola, Florida, and I fell in love with Pensacola. But is, um, is Pensacola really the East Coast? I mean, it's on the East. It's not the East Coast, but it's on the East. But I would say, uh, Camp Lejeune, Camp, okay, so Camp Lejeune, it was okay. I mean, being with the Marine Corps was awesome, but all they have there are titty bars, car lots, and tattoo parlors, and that's it. <laughs> and that's it. Like, that town is definitely made for the Marine Corps. It's definitely made for the Marine Corps. But, I mean, I went to Wilmington. I went to Myrtle Beach. So, I mean, all those beaches were nice. I used to live in Wilmington. You lived in Wilmington, really? I did. I lived in North Carolina for two and a half years. Nice. So but, all those clubs and bars, yeah, I visited every uh, single one of them. I used to, when I went to the beach, though, I went to um, Topsail. Oh, yeah, Topsail, yeah. I love Topsail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was my beach of choice when I yeah. lived in North Carolina. Yep. I mean, what was that so, bar over there? I don't remember that bar over there. I can't remember. Falling in love with Pensacola, did you ever hang out at Floribama? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We did the mullet toss. We did all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. did or ever- Seville, Seville Quarters? Yeah, I was just there. I was just at Seville. So when we went to Friendsgiving and met those guys at Friendsgiving, we drove from uh, Foley, Alabama to Pensacola. And we stayed on there. We went to Seville. You can look, look at my TikTok. <laughs> all of us are in Seville. I know. So it's time. been so long. <laughs> like, I haven't. I was in Pensacola in 2000. And- Five. Oh, did you ever yeah. do Stinkin' Lincoln's at the dock? The what? Stinkin' Lincoln's at the dock? Nope. Oh, you missed out on that one. That I don't one. know what that is. The dock that- is a bar. It's across from, oh, what is that bar? It's right on the beach. It's right on the Pensacola beach. And every Wednesday they do Stinkin' Lincoln night where you pay $5 and you get a cup and then you just tip the bartender and you drink all night. What? Where was that at when I was there? I don't know. I'm surprised you haven't been there. Oh, no, we went. To, we went to Bushwhackers. We went to Flounders. We went to Peg Lake Pete's. Uh, we went all over those bars down there, but we never went to whatever went that bar was with Stinkin' Lincoln's. Jesus, yeah, you awesome. missed out on the Stinkin' Lincoln night. I, I did. Stories to tell from those nights. But how about Jeans? Did you ever go to Jeans Lounge? Nope. Me either. Nope. Did you ever go to Erity's Angels? I went to Sammy's. <laughs> I didn't go to Sammy's. I went to Erity's. I got a lap dance from a gunnery sergeant. I had a buddy. I had a buddy who had a girl there. We called uh, Erity's Angels. Erity's Angels. We called it church. And so anytime Calm Nav Home Pack would ask what we were up to, like everyone would say that they were going to Bible study <laughs> <laughs> at church. No, I'll never to- forget when I was in Pens- so I wasn't 21 when I was in Pensacola and 
I would drink in the parking lot before we went in. Yep. And uh, I'll never forget. I had a lab dance from a gunnery sergeant and she was wearing lime green and I left wearing lime green glitter all over <laughs> me. I will. I, I don't know her name. I know she got in trouble with the Marine Corps for working there. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's my memory of the titty bar in Pensacola. Nice. Called Artie's. You haven't really yep. been to Pensacola if you haven't been to Artie's at least once. We we used to go to McGuire's, get sauced at McGuire's, then leave McGuire's, and then, and then go to well, then go to Sammy's. Irish wake, like that. That's oh yeah, Irish wakes. Drink. That is a happy drink. That Irish wake. It's awesome. I think I probably put a hundred dollars in that place. Every oh. like you could look on the wall and on the ceiling and on the table, and you'll probably find a dollar with my signature on it. Yeah, me too. I am somewhere in that place. A lot of time at McGuire's. We always started there. Always. Yep. Yep. Then we did the McGuire's run, the St. Patty's Day run. Yeah. Fun times. That's why I fell in love with Pensacola because it's just so much fun. I love. I love our first guest that has intimate knowledge about Pensacola like we do. So we get a little, we're a little bit excited. Right yes. Now. No, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, so. I spent so much time. The beaches, but like take out, take out the bars and clubs and whatever. The beach in Pensacola though is beautiful. absolutely yeah. beautiful. Have you heard the Kenny Chesney song about Floribama? I don't listen to country. I know, but he wrote a song about Floribama and it like threw me off. I was not paying attention and I heard it and I was like, I mean, is it all, is it like popular on the radio? No, it's not. It's not anything popular at all. It's on his. Oh, then hell no. I've never heard it. Yeah, no, it's just a random song on one of his albums. And like, it's called Floribama. You should look it up because you appreciate Floribama so much. And you're going to be like, oh my gosh. Does he talk about the mullet toss? He talks, I don't know if he talks about the mullet toss, but he literally talks about everything else. He talks about like the bras on the ceiling and like. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, hold the phone. This is my favorite bar. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's like, what? Because I'm haven't been in that area in quite some time. And mm-hmm. I was in Texas when I heard it, and I was like, I love this bar. And everyone's like, what? Like you've been here? And I was like, yes. Like more times than I can count. Like that's yeah, exactly. It's a great place. We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters. Now that we know that you appreciate the West Coast and you kind of like the East Coast and Pensacola is the best place ever, I'm sure that you have a couple, one, maybe three phenomenal sea stories you could tell us today. Sure. Let's see. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the deployment I was on. So we wanted to point, we did a med cruise. And uh, that was with Marine Expeditionary Unit 26. And so we hit 10, different, 10 or 11 different ports. And the, this first port we hit, was, or not the first port, but the port that we hit was Malta. I don't know if you know where Malta is, but it's I below Italy. Okay. Yeah. So we're in Malta. And Malta had a 
cool bar called Footloose Bar. And obviously we went out with our Marines, you know, we're at this bar and there's this punching bag. You know the punching bag where you punch it so hard, you hit it and it goes up and it calculates your freaking power or whatever? Yes, from like the carnival or the circus or whatever. Right. So it was in this bar and all the Marines were doing it because they were trying to see who can get the highest. Well, there was this Marine sergeant who did it like two or three times and I think he had like 700, 780, something like that. And nobody could beat it. So there was this corporal. This corporal kept hitting it. And he was drinking and he kept hitting it. And he was drinking and he kept hitting it. And he was drinking and he kept hitting it. Well, by the end of the night, he comes to me, because obviously I'm the corpsman. He's like, Doc, he's like, is my hand okay? And like his knuckles from where they're supposed to be were in the middle of his hand. He hit that thing so hard. Like he put, he broke his whole his whole hand and his knuckles were in the middle of his hand and so we were like oh my god so we got him back to the ship he had to go to medical well they had to fly him off the ship and he went back home so he got in trouble for destruction of government property (laughs) wow from like he he was like i tried to beat the sergeant i wanted to beat the sergeant i don't know how many times he hit it I have no idea. He had to hit it at least a thousand. He had to just continuously over and over and over. Yeah, so his knuckles were in the middle of his hand. Yep. Crazy. How, but do, that's you what fix, do. how do you fix that? Surgery. <laughs> I'm like looking at my hands right now, studying them and making sure that they're okay because I couldn't even imagine having a surgery to fix that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So did he have to go up for um Captain's Mass? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh. Yep. Did he get the in, big- the, in the Marine Corps they call it in the Marine Corps they call it XOI. Oh okay. Did he get the big chicken dinner? Yeah, he did. Oh. He sure did. Destruction of government property. I was like, you gotta be and I was just an E three at the time because this wow. was this was ninety nine. <laughs> I'm a young baby doc, and like he comes to me, he's like, baby doc, I, think, I think my hand, I think my hands broke. <laughs> I'm like broke. I'm like, yeah, you're like, oh. you're not okay, not okay, not okay at all. Yeah, not okay at all. Oh. Yeah, that was Malta. Fun oh. times in Malta. Malta's crazy, especially when you're single, because the women to men ratio is like fifty to one. Wow. And they're all tall, blonde hair, blue eyed, like beautiful. You're like, yeah, we I'm gonna. Oh, yeah. Can we? You can cheers to Malta. Here's yeah, to Malta. Cheers to Malta. Except, cheers to Malta, definitely. Except she's not. She's <laughs> not even drinking water. I'm not. I, tonight, I'm so. not, I can't cheer. You didn't even, even pretend with water. Oh here, cheer. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Do you have another sea story you can tell us? Uh, let's see. Trying to think of that more. whole uh, destruction of government property that was like a real thing. Like you can't get a sunburn when you're in the right. military. Yeah, that's destruction of government yeah, if property. You, yeah, if you get too much of a sunburn where you can't move and you can't do your job, yeah, they can they can hit you with that. Oh yeah, that's so crazy. That's why I that's- should have had stock in sunscreen because my skin is so sensitive. It like just being on the boat, I would get sunburned. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's see another one. Uh, oh, I'll tell you one first time I was in Iraq. So we deployed in 0405. This was the Fallujah push. And Ooh, we're in I Iraq. We're in 05, not in Iraq, uh, in the Gulf. Okay. So this is the Fallujah push. We're in Ramadi. We left Ramadi and we went to uh, Al Takada. 
And so brand new, don't know about anything going on. Obviously, this is my first deployment. Scared out of my mind. Didn't know what to expect. Um, so we get there. We're there probably 20 minutes and we get mortared. So we're in our bunker waiting, right? Mortars are coming down. And we don't know where they're hitting. They're just, the sirens going off. There's just mortars coming in. We don't know where they're hitting. So that lasted, that lasted probably about a month that we were all hunkered down to know what was going on. After that, after like two or three months, we're running up on top of the bunker looking to see where it was hitting. Because <laughs> we were so used to it. They, they would hit like the freaking flight line. They would hit like over in the, because all they would do, the Iraqis, what they would do is they would ride like motorcycles, pop them off on the back of their motorcycle and then take it off. So they didn't have, they don't have anything like we have where they can tell exactly where it's going to hit or anything. So they would just yeah. do that, pop them off, take off so they wouldn't get hit. Because if we knew where they were, we would drop a bomb on them or do whatever and kill them. That's what we would do. Uh, and so, yeah, so the first month we were all scared out of our mind. And like I said, after that, then we were just like, oh, it hit over there by the freaking flight line. <laughs> so crazy stuff, crazy stuff. What was your like scariest or most memorable thing as a doc that you had to do? Uh, I had, let's see, Afghanistan. We had, uh, thank God it wasn't our guys. Cause I was on my last deployment, I was what's called a, uh, the medical advisor for the ANA and ANA is Afghan national army. So I had to go over there and I teach them all medical stuff. That's what I did for nine and a half months. Taught them all medical how did, stuff. How was that? Terrible. Terrible. All they wanted to do was play with our guns and look at the women. That's all they wanted to do. They didn't pay any attention, but I mean, I learned a lot. I learned a lot, but I had a translator. I had a, I had a translator. So everything I would say, he would translate into Farsi or, or um, what is it? Dara, whatever the hell it is. I can't remember the, the language, but he would translate it to them. And then they, they would do it. Well, one time we had, we got a call. We got a call that the, uh, one of the trucks got hit with an IED. And uh, so they had to come in through the command element, come up to the BAS and then bring them in. Well, when they were bringing them in, there was double amputees, triple, triple amputees. Like it was just like, they had tourniquets, but they didn't have no arms, no legs. Like it was just blown off and they were, but they were still alive because they used tourniquets to stop, stop the blood flow. So what happens when you, when 90% of people who die in battle is because of loss of blood. So if you have, if you, you can get shot 10 times, if it doesn't hit an organ or whatever, and you stop the, the loss of blood, you can live. That's just the way it is. And so you can look that up. It's like 95% of all the deaths in Iraq and Afghanistan are due to blood loss. So anyway, so they came in, uh, missing arms and legs and whatnot. And so we had to just put, it's terrible. We just have to put them to the side because you knew, uh, try to work on the best you can. If not, then they were going to die. But teaching these guys, I had to teach them like basic first aid and basic trauma. So they would come in. One guy came in, he had a sucking chest wound. He got shot. He had a sucking chest wound, right? So they come in. Well, he had shrapnel to his face too. So we bring them in, they lay them on the thing. And the first thing they do is they go to the face and I can see, like, I can see the blood just gushing out of his uniform. And I'm like, real calm. I'm like, uh, you may want to tell them to rip open their uniform and get that freaking sucking chest wound right there. Cause if not, this dude's going to bleed out because all they're doing is going towards the face. They go to everything that they see first, which they can't do. Cause it's just like superficial shrapnel. So that's what they were doing. And then, so they open them up and they, they, 
you know, we put a chest tube in them and we saved, I mean, we, we saved more than we lost, but yeah, that was, that was one of the craziest things that I ever had to do was try and keep their soldiers alive. Um, knowing that, uh, they didn't know how that, what the hell they were doing, but it worked out. It worked out. So you know, like being on the boat, all we ever did was practice sunken chest wounds. Yeah, you just put your little friend thing over it, let it let it breathe. And yeah, three sides, yep. three sides, three sides. Yep. And then I was always the smallest person, so I'd have the sunken chest wound every time, and then they put me in yeah. the water and like drop me down the stairs. Yep. Every single time. Yeah, so that and was that was some I wild just stuff. I medical and take a nap because we were just running drills. <laughs> but I was, I was a chief then. I wasn't even a baby doc. I was a chief then. Yeah, I figured it was baby doc. That's my new favorite like term is baby doc. Baby doc. Oh, that, yeah, we call ourselves baby doc when we don't have much much That's rank. <laughs> baby doc. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those sunken chest wounds are no joke though. Like when you're on the boat, like that's 90% of what they train you on for casualty response is this. Mhm. Mhm. Yep. And then they put me in the litter and tighten me down and drop me down to the ladder wells until I got to medical and then I would take a nap cuz I felt like I deserved it at that point. <laughs> Especially after going down ladder wells. Yeah, because I was always yeah. the smallest one in the, um, you know, because I was on the boat, so I was a lot smaller than I am now. And uh, so it was the easiest for them to put me in the litter and, like, tie me down and, like, put the cage over. And then none of them knew what they were doing and no one knew how to egress, which is why we were right. practicing. Like, that was the sole point of practice. And the worst part of the ship was doing an on-rep. Ugh. <sighs> Yeah. Oh my God. I was always stuck in the bottle. Ooh. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It's rough. It's rough. Well, yeah, because I was was an E3. So, like, all E3s are getting all the way to the bottom. I went. I went to the boat as an E five. So I had, I had oh, you were good then. You yeah, were good. I was good. I was good. I was an air traffic controller, and I was an E five. So. Yeah. Not me. I was all the way down the bottom, handling the freaking rice and everything. Bougie and spoiled. I never had to be at the bottom of the on rep line. Hate but it. I was like, I was like, Doc probably has. You probably have more sea time than I. What's what's your sea time calculator? Uh, I don't even remember. Let's see, three years, and then I'm my deployment. So probably four years, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I have. Like I have two two months and twenty four days is my sea time. Oh my god. Three three and a half. Yeah. Years. Yeah, you probably got you probably got a lot. Yeah, I have like three and a half years of sea time. Yeah, but I deployed on the USS Tarawa, so I I had some good sea time in there. Nice. Eventually, though, eventually we all have to get out of the service, which sucks because that's what most of us want to do forever. And so, how was your transition from being a sailor slash doc for the Marine Corps to being a veteran? Mm-hmm. Different, difficult. It was weird. I ain't gonna lie. Like I told my wife too. I was like, I'm taking, I'm going to take at least six months off. And she was like, okay, whatever. I don't care. And so during those six months, um, I got so bored. So I was just at home, like starting up little projects and I wouldn't finish them because I would do one and I go to another one and I go to another one. She was like, your ass needs to get back to work, (laughs) do something, go do something. And so I was like, man, what am I going to do? Because all I knew was just 
you know, freaking being a chief, being a leader, <laughs> you know, I mean, mentoring and guiding and leading junior sailors and officers. Like I knew the medical portion, but I didn't want to do that no more. I didn't want to do that more. I did enough of that when I was deployed. And so I was like, damn, what am I going to do? And so I don't know if you guys know, have you ever heard of Instacart or Shipped? Yeah. yeah. I love Instacart. I use it all the time. So I did that for like three months. Oh, so you might have gone grocery shopping for me. Put so many miles on my car in like three months. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing this. I had a buddy call me up. People that do like, um, not necessarily Instacart, but what's, what's the one where you pick up food? Not like Grubhub? Uber? Like Uber or Grubhub? Like, like Grubhub and Postmates. Yeah, out here we have Uber Eats. Saver? Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard good things from like Uber drivers, like the ones that actually do the Uber driving, but the mm-hmm. ones that do the meal delivery services, they're like, it's not worth the damage that goes onto your car. Yeah, it was terrible. Like I put so many miles on my car. I made pretty good money. I mean, I get a lot of tips. All the, the ladies would tip me really well. So I got great tips. I bet um, they did. Were you delivering <laughs> like they did. Life? And so dress but life. I put so many miles on my car. Like I did, I was just like, I can't keep doing this. So then a buddy called me and was like, Hey, there's an opening over there for patient admin, healthcare record supervisor. I was like, fuck that. I'm not doing patient admin. Like, hell no. He was like, dude, it's a GS 11, bro. He was like, you're not going to do much. And so I was like, talk to Felicia. And she was like, just see what it is. Go in there, interview, find out, you know, what's going on. So I went in there, interviewed. Uh, It was a, a Lieutenant commander. Um, who interviewed me along with an LPO and then somebody from HR. And they interviewed me and she came up to me afterwards and she was like, oh my God, I need somebody like you. And I was like, okay. And she was like, I have other uh, interviewers that I have to, interviewees that I have to do. Um, However, you probably are going to get this job. So stick by your phone. I'll call you and let you know. Within like three hours, (laughs) she calls me and she's like, Hey, you got the job. You could start blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I went in there and I was like, oh, this, this ain't bad at all. <laughs> I was like, this is easy. <laughs> I, like I could do this. Yeah. But of course we have a new system, a new, new freaking medical record system. So that's online now. It's called Genesis. Everything's going to, everything's going online. Like CHCS, Alta. I don't know if y'all know what that is for medical records, but those are old, uh, old systems now they got this new system that encompasses everything and everyone can see their medical record now so if you if you were to need your medical record you can go online right now and you can see everything in your medical record. you ain't got to go to medical records that's that's actually kind of cool because i'm yeah. still i'm still carrying around my medical record from like are you really yeah there's, so i don't there's, even there's know where mine is yeah no i i'm still carrying around my medical record from when i got out of the service because i don't like, you know, it was, I got out in 2011. And so it was kind of wanky. Like everything right. Was wanky, so, right. Um, yeah. yeah now they have that, now they have that system. Of it, it like hangs out in my trunk at my house. Like I <laughs> open it, but I know where it is. Like, if I ever yeah. it. Yeah. yeah it's so yeah. funny because my medical records this thin, like I always want to deploy. And so if I ever hurt myself, I didn't, I would just mask it with Motrin and then bloop, just go. Vitamin so, M and some water. So when I went and did my disability, thank God I have freaking sleep apnea. Cause that was my 50%. But when I did my disability, she was like, okay, here's a piece of paper, write everything that's wrong with you. So naturally I'm like, my back, my shoulders, my neck, my legs, you know, everything. And she's like, okay. And she looks at my record. She's like, 
that's not in there. That's not in there. That's not in there. And she's like, none of this is in there. And I was like, yeah. I know I wanted, I wanted to deploy. I didn't, I didn't worry about any of that. And she was like, oh, unfortunately, the only thing we can give you is um, your sleep apnea. <laughs> I was like, what? That, but that's buddy, how it was for, as an air traffic controller, too. Yeah, we were the same. And I have talked about this. Like, like you can even get the flu shot. Right. Yeah. You didn't report like, because it could down you. And if you were down, you couldn't control and you didn't want to not control and you didn't want a long-term medical situation because you complained about something to prevent you from controlling. So you, mm-hmm. you sucked it up and you did what you had to do to not report it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you had to, but you had to as yeah. an air trap. If you truly, and for me, I mean, I loved controlling. I miss, I miss talking to airplanes every day. Um, but you couldn't you couldn't have migraines you couldn't have headaches you couldn't get the flu shot you couldn't do anything anything the only thing the only medication medications you couldn't like motrin motrin was it and if there was something wrong with you 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 had to get a prescription from a flight surgeon you couldn't just go to sick call and get it yeah 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 so So i that's how my, I mean, my medical record's very thin also. Mine was too. I have my yeah. knees and my knees are in there from boot camp and being on the boat. But once I got to North Island, yeah, I didn't know about my knees. Mm-hmm. I was not going to tell y'all shit about anything that could possibly be wrong with me because then I wasn't going to be able to do my job. Exactly. And I, we had to stay in a flight status as an air traffic controller, so yeah. um, we didn't report shit. I just want to deploy. I love that freaking tax free, that freaking all that shit you get, all that different money, the hazardous duty pay, separation pay. Yep. That was amazing. All of it. I didn't say nothing. Deployed on the tower while we had a phenomenal CO. So we'd like, we were doing a lot of stuff in 2005. That was like when the pirates in Somalia and the earthquake in Pakistan and like a lot of that going on. Yep. But like our CO always made sure that we were in the Gulf for like, five minutes at the end of every month to make sure that we got that tax free. Yeah, definitely. So I was like, Good out, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Appreciate you. Cause you only have to be there for 30 seconds to get tax free for the whole month. So yeah, that was, yeah. that was a bonus of having a good CO. Tarawa was a good duty station, but so you went through your struggles and trying to figure out what you wanted to do. And then you landed like this great job that, that you're chilling in now. How are, mm-hmm. how are you doing now? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I love it. And then I found TikTok. <laughs> now I'm doing even better. <laughs> and TikTok will it totally consume your life though. No, it doesn't totally consume it, but no, my, my job, it's, it's great. I mean, for what I make and for what I have to do, it's awesome. And I love, I love all my staff. Like they're amazing. They're all women. So yeah. they're all amazing. Um, like I said, they God, know their job. They've been there forever. Here's your lady staff. I'm just thinking that like he was saying, you know, he was saying all these things about how he had all these attributes. He, he got the job that he got because of. Oh, wait, will you, will you close again? Like, so wait, hold up, hold up. Let me, let me tell you what happened though. So it's funny because, because I knew one of the sailors is in first class that worked in, because we have sailors and we have civilians. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I knew I knew the the first class because I was her chief when I was there. And so when I was going in for my interview, it's so funny. So when I was going in for my interview, I texted her and I was like, "Hey, should I wear a tight shirt? Should I freaking show some freaking chest or whatever?" She was like, "Chief, you're barking up the wrong tree. She's a lesbian." <laughs> So I was like, damn. <laughs> like, oh, I can't get the advice that I need right now. Yeah. Mm. But now it's cool. It's good. It's good to go. I love it. So, like, job-wise, family-wise, things are going good. But we both know, well, the three of us know, that you saw shit while you were deployed, while you were in, while you were being a doc. Mm-hmm. How are those things affecting you now? And how are you feeling now with those things that are still in your head? Yeah, so it's it's difficult at times, but um, I have a great support staff, like my wife. She's awesome. Uh, my friends that went through it, we, we talk to each other all the time. Um, and then being able, you know, on TikTok, when people come into your lives and say they're having issues or whatever, I just tell them to DM me. And I talk to them in Instagram or whatever and let them know, hey, I've gone through the same stuff and I help them, which also, you know, in turn helps me. Um, but, yeah, there was times when I would get up two, three o'clock in the morning. I go outside of my house with my gun, just freaking checking my perimeter to make sure nobody was around. Um, and that's when my wife was like, you need to get some help. So talk to my buddies, talked to therapists, did all that stuff. Uh, definitely was diagnosed with PTSD, um, but I know how to manage it. A little better than others um so and i'm totally for uh you know doing the uh, foundation for 22 a day I, I give money for that wounded warriors stuff like that so yeah so how did you get to the point where you were able to manage your ptsd symptoms i mean it's never going to go away like it's always going to be there right um, not, which is why it's always, the program is so important. yeah it, it's always going to be there however like i said um having a great support staff, my family, my wife, my kids, just keeping my mind, like TikTok really helps me. I know there's a lot of people that are on there that get a lot of negative comments or whatever. I just delete them or block them. I don't even mess around with it. Um, but all the positive stuff on, on TikTok, yeah, it definitely helps. It definitely helps. And then obviously coming on these podcasts and then going to these meetups and having people buy freaking your pictures and posters. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. It's so awesome. You have pictures and posters for sale? Uh, I don't. This lady that I'm on this going to Chattanooga for, she made these pictures and was like, hey, we want you to sign these and we're going to auction them off for charity and you're going to take pictures with these people. I was like, I'm just a normal dude, but okay. All right. I'll do it. Whatever. Yeah. So For sure. But yeah. It's tough sometimes, but I mean, it's it's a lot better than, than it was. It's tough like what? Because I want you... Like, tell us about the tough stuff. Uh, so the tough stuff is when you hear about somebody who, you know, has committed suicide because of the depression or what they go on through. Because then you're like, damn, I've gone through that same thing. Um, why, why didn't I do that? You know, why didn't I do that? How come he had to do it? Whatever. Um, but then I would just, you know, I would just sit and talk with my buddies and, uh, you know, we were just like, hey, you know, we're here. God put us on this earth for a reason. I mean, if we do it, it's selfish. I mean, you got to think about your kids. You got to think about your wife. Um, but, yeah, just talking. Just talking, definitely. Communicating is definitely the number one thing that you can do. 
Yeah, that's a that's a huge step in the right direction is the community mm -hmm. aspect of it. Yeah. And not being scared to reach out when you're having a dark day. Oh, yeah. And I, that's what I tell everyone, too. Like, if you're having any type of issue, just hit me up. I'll talk to you. I don't care who you are. Just talk to me. So, but yeah. yeah. So if you had advice for sailors, because I know you were a chief and I feel like you're a really good chief. So mm -hmm. if you had advice for our sailors that are either getting ready to get out of the service and become veterans or those veterans that have been trying to find their way for any amount of time, what advice would that be? So first thing, have a plan. Have a plan within the year or two years before you get out. Know what you're going to do. Uh, the biggest thing I see is a lot of the junior sailors, they're like, oh, I can't wait to be a civilian. I can't wait to get out of the Navy. I can't wait to freaking go to a job. I can't wait to do this, do that, do this, go to school. Next thing you know, they're on the side pan, panhandling for money because the job fell through. They don't have no money for schooling. Uh, their GI Bill didn't cover everything. Um, so that's one of the biggest things. I tell them also to um, make sure that when they do get out, obviously one medical make sure you freaking go see the doctor for everything before you get out don't do what i did don't right. do what i did or make i sure did. get everything or yeah get everything documented get your money the navy is going to pay you if you qualify so get your money um yeah and then uh like i said just make sure you have a plan that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. Go to those tap. Go to those freaking. I think it's called taps, right? And it's still called taps. I don't know. It may have changed. But go to those. Go to those taps classes. Learn that stuff. Figure out how to do interviews when you go on jobs. Do do all that training. It helps out in the long run. It helps out. I have to. So it's so funny. I'm and I'm saying this because Amanda and I. How many? What number episode is this that we're recording? Um. You said sixteen. We've no. released 16. We've, we've released 16. We've, we've talked to 40 people. 40, oh. 43rd, something like that interview that we've done. And so so we have had mixed reviews about the VA. We've had multiple people tell us um, different things for their advice because, and that's our biggest thing is like asking everyone, no matter what branch you're in and what rank you had, what's your advice? because it's all going to, everyone is different. Um, you are the first person chief to, recommend to say that. that TAPS class was a good thing to go to. Yeah. <laughs> like literally out of every single person we've talked to, no one has ever said, and we've talked to retired people mm -hmm. who have retired mm -hmm. and no one has advocated for Class. I had a great we had a great teacher she was awesome like she was awesome. she helped me she helped me write my resume like she was amazing she was I learned a lot in that class I don't know maybe maybe it's different maybe it's different yeah. now you you might have just got a really good instructor I had a great yeah. yeah because they're out there and the same thing with like my my VA experience has been really positive because I landed a really great group of people, but like not everyone gets that when they are in VA. So it's very important to know that just because you land a bad teacher or a bad doctor or a bad whatever, like keep advocating for yourself because definitely, definitely. And you can go to ta you can go to taps like two or three times. Just yeah. go different, like find a different teacher. 
find a different yeah. way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't. Can you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I did. Like, if you're planning your exit from the military, not all of us get the opportunity to plan a a graceful exit from the military. But if you're planning it, they tell you to go like six months before you get out, and then like two weeks before you get out. Yeah. I went twice. The first instructor, he was he was terrible. So that's when I went again. And then I got this female. She helped me fill out my LinkedIn. She helped me with my resume. Like, I mean, she was she was amazing. She did awesome. And then we had to do interviews. So we everyone that was in the class, we had to do interviews together with each other. Yeah. So that made it a lot easier when I went and did my job interview. So yeah, I mean, it was great. It was great. She helped out a lot. If our listeners wanted to reach you if they had questions if they needed advice if they were looking for your guidance if they wanted to hear more of your stories where could they reach you uh well they could find me on tiktok they could nitro uh, yep they could reach me on instagram uh instagram it's nitro and then my last name so nitro malyuk is my my instagram username Uh, i don't do facebook i mean i got facebook but that's just because my wife and our family. Like I don't even really get on Facebook that much. Um, I have Twitter, but I really don't get on Twitter unless I'm freaking we don't, talking. We have a Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. We don't tweet. <laughs> no, yeah, I just, we don't know I, how. I, I don't tweet understand Twitter. Oh, I just Twitter get on Twitter and tweet about the Buckeyes. <laughs> yeah. That's all I do. So I would say, I would say TikTok and, and Instagram is probably the best bet. Perfect. So TikTok, you're at Chief Nitro. Yep. And Instagram, you're at Nitro Maluk. Okay, yep. and I will put both of those in the show notes. So if anyone would like to contact Jay and ask him more questions or whatever, if you're dealing with something and you want to talk to him, you can relate to him, check out our show notes and we'll have the contact information in there for you. Schwartz-Davidson Law is a Texas-based veteran-friendly law firm. Credit and debt is a big game and one rigged for you to lose. The system's designed to keep you in it spending money and juggling different types of accounts so lenders feel more comfortable lending you money. Worse credit equals worse rates, and there's no shortage of companies trying to collect. Negative reporting is an attempt to collect a debt. So what happens when a debt collector or credit bureau makes a mistake? What happens when they refuse to fix it? That's when it's time to lawyer up with Schwartz-Davidson Law. Call the folks who started in credit restoration, got a law degree, and have been holding the credit bureau's feet to the fire to protect consumers and help you take hold of your financial future instead of letting the anxiety of it run you. How do you get a debt collector to stop calling? Let them know you've got an attorney. How do you get the best deal on a settlement? With an attorney. You don't have to break the bank to fix your credit or deal with debt collectors. Contact the attorneys at Schwartz-Davidson Law for a free consultation and let us go to battle for you. We're here when you need us. Amber, do you want to take this opportunity to talk about the charity we've chosen to support this episode? I sure would, Amanda. Thank you for asking me. (laughs) So we are currently supporting um, an organization called The Fallen Outdoors, where they take veterans on hunting and fishing trips across the country. You can find them at thefallenoutdoors.com. They are a veteran, organized veteran, run veteran, everything group, and they will take you out. You don't have to be a specific veteran. You don't have to be a combat veteran. You don't have to be anything other than an honorable discharge with your DD-214 veteran. 
Which is why oh, we right. love it so much is because you don't have to be a special veteran. You just as long as you're a veteran and you have an honorable discharge from the military, yeah. they will hook you up with a hunting or fishing trip. And they can be found at like I said, the fallenoutdoors.com. I don't know if I have anything else to say about them. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, but it's across the whole country. So it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter where you live. They have little groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, over the place, all over the place. So just check them out, log on to their website and uh, reach out and go on an adventure. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We also will continue to support and always support Tilva Hollow Project. Yeah. Uh, that is very near and dear to mine and Amanda's. We love those guys. Um, mm-hmm. And to support the Fallen Outdoors and Tilva Hollow Project, Amanda and I have merch for sale. Amanda will put those that link in the show notes also so you can get the hookup on a hoodie, t-shirt, Long sleeve shirt from right. Amanda yep, or TikTok, but we do have some merch for sale to help support Fallen Outdoors, Tilva Hall Project, and our podcast. Nice. Absolutely. So if you would like to contact Amber or myself for any reason, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. Or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Please reach out if you would like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast. You can send us an email or a DM on any of the social media platforms that Amanda mentioned. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. The podcast algorithm situation is very important, and it highly relies on those reviews and those ratings. So help us out. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Good, bad, ugly, and different. By no means are Amber or I professional podcasters. We just are very passionate about our cause and we want to get the word out to as many veterans as possible. Amanda, that's two in a row that you got it. I'm so proud of you. Algorithm. She always forgets the word. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. But truly, though, leave leave us some feedback because it is important not just for Amanda and I to grow, but it does help the algorithm. It does help us reach other veterans who need to hear what we're talking about. Yeah, and every week that we have their story. Right. You can also join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours. Do that on Zoom. And it starts at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends. We do have to put the disclaimer out there that it is an open live forum for veterans and for networking. So we do invite civilian, active duty, and veteran, but it is an open live forum. And we never know what is going to happen when you put a bunch of veterans in a group together. Especially if they're drinking alcohol. (laughs) It's true. Amanda is true. (laughs) But um, the reason that Amanda and I started this podcast, the reason we are going to continue to do what we're doing is to bring about mental health awareness in 
veterans and amongst the veteran community and the fact that no matter what number the statistic, statistics right. are saying, that's a hard word. Drunk All or sober. hard is algorithm. That is, it is. That's a hard, hard word. One. Any number of veterans killing themselves a day and the big number, the popular, the popular number, the number that everyone knows is that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. And 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers. Cheers.